Joshua chapter number 2. I'm just loving on my Bible. Amen. I'm glad it ain't got a problem. There's no, there's no flaws in it. Amen. All right. Joshua chapter 2. And I want to begin in verse number... Uh, excuse me. Joshua chapter 3. I about, I'm almost on the wrong sermon. Amen. Joshua chapter number 3. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. Read down to about verse number 6. And preach a little while out of verse number 3. Pastor, thank you for the invite. I'm honored and tickled to be here. Amen. If you're from where I'm from, you're glad to be anywhere. Amen. My wife gets mad at me when, when I say we're from Alabama. Because uh, I'm from Tennessee, actually, raised in Dayton. And uh, she's from Georgia. I was born in Texas, and we've been traveling all over the world. I don't know where we're from. Amen. But I'll tell you where we're going. Somebody say amen right there. Won't you stand with me while we read these six verses? Joshua chapter number 3. Now, I won't be long tonight unless it turns out that way. I don't intend to be. They say it's the thought that counts. And so uh, I intend to be very short tonight. Amen. But I do want you to feel like you've been to church. Some places I go, we get in and out so quick. I don't even feel like I've been to church. I do want you to feel like you've been there. Amen. I've spent more time in the McDonald's drive-thru than some folks spend in church. I want you to at least feel like you've been to church time we get done tonight. Amen. Joshua chapter number 3 and verse number 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Let's stop reading right there in verse number 6. Bow together in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that it go forth mightily tonight. I pray you'd hide the feeble preacher behind the cross. Oh, God, you'd get glory out of the preaching time. I pray the Word of God would settle deep down into our souls tonight. I pray you'd say something to somebody that'll offer them some help. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. May be seated. I want you to notice with me here that the children of Israel are finally about to go in to Canaan. Land. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know that Canaan land is a picture of the will of God. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, I don't know in this Old Testament economy that the will of God always centered 
around a place. But in the New Testament, it's around a person. Can I get a witness? It's Jesus. But I'll say this to you, that if you're in the will of God, there will be a place that God has for you to be. Amen. You'll remember the children of Israel were in bondage down in Egypt. And it was not God's will from them to be enslaved to Pharaoh down in Egypt's land. Now, Egypt's a type of the world, and Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. And slavery is a, a good picture or shadow of bondage in sin. It was not God's will for them to be there. And then you remember when they came across the Red Sea, they were baptized unto Moses. First Corinthians chapter 10 said they came across the Red Sea, and then the Bible said that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It was not God's will for them to be in Egypt. It was not God's will for them to wander. Can I tell you, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not God's will for people to be lost and go to hell. It's not God's will for people to aimlessly walk around without any direction in their Christian life. Somebody say amen. God does have a place. And he called it Canaan's fair land. It's not a picture of heaven, but rather the perfect will of God. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. They would live in houses that they did not build. And they would drink from wells that they did not dig. It was a large land and a good land. A land of an abundant life in the perfect will of God. Now, I'm not talking about monetary things, but if you're in God's will, it'll feel like heaven to you. Amen. God's perfect will. And they're about to enter into and enjoy what God has in mind for them. In Joshua chapter number 3, they are camped out on the bank of the Jordan River. The only thing separating them and Canaan land is this swollen river and they can look across and see the land. It's just in sight. Can you imagine the excitement that the children of Israel must be feeling at this point in their life when they've never seen what God has in mind and the, but they, they've tried to imagine what God has in mind and it's just in sight and they're about to get in on it but they there's something keeping them from There is, and I say it like this, there is an issue that is preventing them from entering into and enjoying the things of God. Have you ever felt like in your life that you're on the brink of something big, that you're about to go to the next level? And by the way, there is a next level. I don't know what level you're on tonight, but I'll tell you there is another level. And you ought to want to be there. Somebody say amen. And then you, when you get there, you're going to want to go to the next level because there's another level. Somebody say amen. And there's going to be another level after that. And there's going to be another level. And by the time you get to, get to glory and when the gate clicks behind you, then you quit worrying about the levels. But you're, we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And have you ever felt in your life like you were on the brink of something big? that God was about to do in your life some breakthrough and then something is brought up either by the devil or by the world or by the flesh that just keeps you from, from entering into and enjoying the things of God. I'll tell you something, honey. There's some issues. There are some issues of life that will prevent you from entering into and enjoying the things of God. I'm not preaching on your best life now. Can I get a witness? Amen. I, I, amen. I hope I, I don't want my best life now. 
The rich man had his now. Lazarus had his later. I, I believe I'll take mine later. Amen. Amen. I'm not preaching on the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. But I'll tell you this. There's something better than what most Christians are experiencing. Lord God, if all there is is what some folks has, then I don't know if I even want it. And if you've ever wondered why folks out there don't act like we want, they want what we got, it's because we don't act like we want what we got. Somebody say amen. Who was it lied to us and told us that we had to be somber and that we had to be sad and that this thing was a bunch of do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, and all about what you had to give up? I might have gave up a few things out yonder, but what I got in return, oh, hallelujah, my great dividends is for are better than anything I ever gave up out yonder in the world. I'm trying to, I'm on a campaign tonight to tell God's people, you can be happy in Jesus. You can enjoy the things of God. You can have a victorious prayer life. You can walk with God and love it. You can go to church and enjoy it. You can sit and listen to preaching and like it. And if you're liking it, he'll start liking it. And honey, if he starts liking you liking it, praise God, there ain't nothing better than a preacher liking it when the people likes it. When he likes it and you're liking it, then he likes it more. And if he likes it more, you're going to like it more. Somebody say amen. And I'm going to tell you something, honey. That's exactly what we can have. We can have revival. Amen. But there always seems to be something. It could be in the life of a Christian, individuals. It could be in the life of a church. There always seems to be some issue that prevents them from entering into and enjoying the things of God. Amen. And you know what I'm talking about when I say issues. Amen. I was the first person in my family to ever get saved. Lost people have issues. I was raised up, you've heard this told by others, but it's true of me. I was raised up on a bar stool. My mother was a bartender at the Golden Nugget in Graysville, Tennessee, just before you get into Hamilton County, Ray County line. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something I learned about lost people and drunks and how folks act out there in the world. They've got issues. Amen. But I've been in church now for a little over 20 years. And I've been pastoring for 15 years. And I've learned this. Church folks got issues too. You can shake your head like that. I'm listening to me. Don't look at me like you ain't got issues. I'm having issues with you not admitting that you've got issues. We've all got issues. Amen. I preached this very same thought in Houston, Texas. And this was, this was, uh, a couple of years ago, this man came up to me. His name was his name was Pepe. I couldn't understand a thing he said. He's from Mexico. Say amen. And uh, they was having barbecue brisket in the fellowship hall, and I had changed into my into my new white shirt, amen, and was in line. Here come Pepe. He done been sitting down eating, and he come up and put his hand around me, and uh, I didn't know it, but he had barbecue sauce all over his hand, and he put it, he hugged me and he said, "Preacher, I got itchies. I got itchies." And I said, praise God. And I got back to the room and looked at that big old barbecue sauce handprint on my brand new, uh, amen, J.C. Penny shirt. Amen. I'm not talking about the one I got from Walmart. I'm talking about the good one. And I said, I got some issues too. Amen. You need to get a napkin. I'm talking about everybody's got issues. Preachers have issues. Now, I can't go, to, I can't go into any great detail 
about preachers having issues because we're like magicians. We can't tell. We can't tell all these things. Amen. But what little bit I, little bit I will tell you is this, is that we've got issues. Amen. Church folks have got issues. Lost people's got issues. Everybody in the world's got issues. And those issues will keep you from enjoying the things of God. I remember one time I went to somebody about one of my issues. And I talked to them about it. And this is what that individual told me. They said, get over it. I said, tell me how. Amen. I mean, I've tried to think my way out of it. I've tried to preach my way out of it. I've tried to pray my way out of it. I've tried to fast my way out of it. I can't read enough Bible to get over this thing. And his advice is just get over it. Honey, tell me where I can do that at, and I will. And some things it's hard to get over. Amen. We live in a world today where folks have been hurt on every hand. And I'm going to tell you something about church hurts. Church hurts are the worst hurts. I've watched drunks knock each other off a bar stool, and then ten minutes later they're hugging and laughing and buying themselves another round. I've watched church people get mad at one another over the slightest little bitty thing and not speak for 30 years. Somebody holler, Amen, right there. Church hurts are the worst hurts. And I'm going to tell you something, honey. Those things that happen to you, you can get, you can try to bury the hatchet, but unless God does something about it, there was, there's no way you can get over it. Amen. Joshua and the children of Israel have an issue. They are about to go in. They're trying to get in. And by the way, they stayed there three days and three nights. That can only mean one thing. They tried to do it themselves. Some of them went down river and couldn't do it. Some of them went upriver and couldn't do it. And they tried to do it and they came back with the conclusion that there's no way to get over it. Well, amen. They did get over it. And I want to preach a little while on getting over the issues of life. They did get over this swollen Jordan River. They did make it across. And honey, you can get over your issues too. Say amen right there. Now, are y'all nervous? I've only been doing evangelism for 10 months. I have to check on folks because I've still got a pastor's heart. It ain't dead yet. So I check on you. And I'm just making sure you're all right before we go in. We're done with the introduction and now we're ready to go into the sermon. All right. I'm just making sure you're on board with me. Getting over the issues of life. Let me say this to you. That in order for you to get over the things that you need to get over... You're going to have to get under some things. <laughs> Amen. That's the way God does things. If you've ever wondered why God does the way things, and it looks like He does things backwards, it's not because God does things backwards. It's because you and I are looking at it from our point of view and rather than looking at it from God's point of view. In God's point of view, the way up is down. Somebody say amen. In God's economy, if you want to keep something, give it away. If God's economy, if you want to get, then you've got to give. Somebody say amen. That's God's way of doing things. And God's way of getting over is for you to get under. There's some things we must get under in order to get over the issues of life. Number one, and they're right here in the text in verse number three. I'll mention them to you quickly. There's four. Could have been 12, count your blessings, amen. There are four things that we need to get under in order to get over the issues of life. Number one, notice with me in verse number, four, no, verse number three, the Bible said they commanded the people. 
Well, somebody's got to be in charge. Amen. So first of all, in order for us to get over the issues of life, we've got to get under the right authority. Amen. Now, I want you to notice in this text that the majority of the people did not, did not uh, find out the way over this issue. Amen. It was not a group of people put together to find out the best way to get across. That's not how they got over this issue. I'm going to tell you how they got over it. Somebody had to be in charge. Somebody help me now. And I didn't introduce our hero of the text. The Old Testament named Joshua is the equivalent of the New Testament named Jesus. You know how to get over the issues of life? Just submit yourself to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's too many of us that are living our life based on what we want to do, how we want to do it, rather than doing things God's way. Honey, if you want to get over the issues of life, we're going to have to submit to His authority. He has authority. He's Lord of all or not Lord at all. It reminds me of this. In Mark chapter number 6, Jesus came into Nazareth. And you Bible readers know that Jesus was raised in Nazareth. That was his hometown. He had already begun his public ministry of healing the sick and raising the dead. And the mighty works that Jesus did as he comes into Nazareth. And don't you know that Jesus has some special miracles in mind for his hometown crowd? If he loves anybody, he loves those folks that helped in his rearing. He loved those people of his hometown. And he had reserved, I believe with all my heart, some of his greatest miracles he had reserved for the people of his hometown. The Bible said that he came into Nazareth, Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue, and the Bible said he sat down in the seat of Moses. They delivered him the scroll. He opened it up to Isaiah chapter number 61 and began to preach and to reveal himself as the one that Isaiah prophesied would come. Amen. And what he did was he said, I'm here. It's me. I'm the, I'm the anointed one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one sent from God. I'm the one. And the Bible said that they were offended at him. Amen. The Bible said in Luke's gospel account that they took him by force out of the synagogue of Nazareth and it took him to the brow of the city which was on a 90 foot bluff and they were going to throw him over the cliff. But he passed through the midst. The Bible said he there do no great miracles because of their unbelief. They were offended at him, and this is what they said. They said, is not this the carpenter? You see, because those folks in Nazareth, they didn't mind Jesus being the carpenter. Amen. I'm going to come down here. Because it's probably better down here. We'll try it out. Amen. I'm going to mess with the camera guy. (laughs) I'm going over here. Amen. The camera adds 80 pounds, by the way, brother. I want you to know that. Amen. Let me go back over here a minute. I'm messing with a kid. <laughs> hey, what was I saying? Oh, the carpenter of Nazareth. Can you imagine Jesus as a carpenter? I'm talking about somebody who was on time when you called him to the job site. Somebody that was there when you needed him. Somebody that knows how to fix things when they break. Hallelujah. I'm talking about somebody that if you need him, he's on call 24 hours a day. And he'll be there in the midnight hour. If you call on the name of Jesus, he'll come run into your situation. And he'll fix your problem. He knows how to do it, honey. He knows how to fix things. He's God. And he's good at fixing broken things. 
Hallelujah. And you ain't got to worry about Him overcharging you. You ain't got to worry about Him having to come back and do the job right the second time. What I'm trying to say to you is that He's the best carpenter that anybody could ever dream of having. And they didn't mind Him being the carpenter. They just didn't want Him to be the king. Oh, help me, Jesus. Ain't that how folks do Him? You see, we, won't, we don't mind telling Jesus what to do. We just don't want Jesus telling us what to do. And I'm going to tell you something about them issues that we wrestle with every single day of our lives. We will never get over that the issues of life until we get under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Things have got to be done His way. He knows the way over. He knows how to get you past it. He knows how to get you beyond it. And Jesus can get you through your problem. Amen. Children rebel against, past, against parental authority. Amen. And we all rebel against local authority. Governmental authority. I know you probably didn't vote for him. God help you. If you did, I didn't either. I'd have voted for Mickey Mouse first. But guess what? He's a president of the United States of America. Amen. Amen. No, I didn't vote for him. I voted against him twice. And I'll probably have to do it again. That's <laughs> right. Amen. We all rebel against authority. You know what's wrong with our churches? Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm going to wade out into this thing. Yeah, and I don't even know, y'all, but I've been in this thing long enough to know. You know what's wrong with churches? The reason why we can't have, authority, can't have a revival in our churches is because there's too many people fighting over who's in charge down at the house of God. Somebody say amen. Well, guess who's in charge at the house of God? Jesus is. You thought I was going to... Yeah, <laughs> Jesus is in charge at the house of God. Now, he's got an under-shepherd who's in charge. And this is what Paul said. Y'all follow me. I'm going to follow him. Let's all go with him. Amen. Guess who's in charge of the church house? It's Jesus. Jesus is in charge of everything. He has to be. He has to be. There's an improper power structure in most of our churches. The reason why God's not pleased with them. Amen. He said, command the people. I want you to notice number two. In order to get over, in order to get over the issues of life, we've got to get under the right authority. Jesus does not just want to be the resident of your life. He wants to be the president of your life. Amen. Verse number three, look at it with me and command the people when they see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it. Let me say number two. Y'all know what the Ark of the Covenant is. That's that golden box. I ain't got time, but it's, it's uh, the same shape and size of the communion table. Did y'all know that? The Ark of the Covenant is the exact size of that communion table right there. Where do you think we got the dimensions for that? How come it is every single one of them is the same size? Well, we got it right out of the Bible. Amen. Amen. And we got, a, we got a veil back there. It ain't made out of cloth, but it's made out of wood. looks to me like it's split. Top to bottom, bottom to top, I don't care, but it's out there. And you can get in and it ain't locked. Somebody say amen. Looks like you can come and go as you please. Sound to me like somebody been reading their Bible around here. Amen. And the Holy Holies and the Ark of the Covenant. You know what the Ark of the Covenant is? It was with them everywhere they went. It was a visible, physical representation of God Himself. 
And that box, you remember how that the Old Testament priest would go into the holy place once a year with the blood of the atonement and would make atonement? He would, he would, he would sprinkle the blood upon that mercy seat. And honey, that was a bloody box. And they had to get under it. And so number two, in order to get over the issues of life, we need to get under the right atonement. Amen. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The baptismal waters won't wash it away. The works won't wash it away. Preacher said it a while ago. Our good works are less than good. They're offensive to God. Amen. You see, there's a whole lot of people out there trying to go about and establish their own righteousness. Cain started that business. And folks have been doing it ever since. I'm going to tell you something, honey. You're never going to get under the right atonement. You're never going to get over the issues of life until we get under the right atonement. And I'm going to tell you about this coming to the altar business. I worked, somebody said one time they'd, where I pastored, they'd be folks, they'd be folks that'd come to the altar every time, preacher. Just about every time I'd give an invitation, they'd come down to pray. And I'd have somebody come to me and say, I wonder what's, wonder what's wrong with them, preacher. I wonder what's the matter with them. Maybe you need to counsel with them. And I said, I ain't worried about them. I'm worried about you. I ain't never seen you in the altar. I think me and you need to set up a counseling session. How about 11 o'clock Thursday after, Thursday morning? I'll meet you in my study. You and me need to talk. You ain't never been in the altar. Somebody say amen. I ain't worried about that old boy that comes to the altar every time. Somebody say amen right there. Hallelujah. Mark chapter number 1, the Bible said he was down in, he was down in Bethany. And the Bible said that he, he healed the sick and raised the dead, cast out devils. And he got up early that morning and he went out and prayed. And the Bible said his disciples found him and they said, All men seek for thee back there in that town. And Jesus said, Let's go to the next town. And that had been most preachers that had said, Well, let's go back down there and set up shop. But no, not Jesus. He went to the next towns. Because as long as they're seeking Jesus, they're doing all right. Amen. It's some other towns I'm worried about that have never heard His name. Amen. We need to get under the right atonement. That blood is not just for the saving of your souls, but it's for the saving of your life. Amen. You can put that thing under the blood. I'm going to tell you something. You can't bury a hatchet out there because it'll come back. Amen. But you put that thing under the blood. Hallelujah. That's all it is. That's all there is. Amen. Under the right atonement. Number three, moving right along. Praise God, halfway there. Ain't you, ain't you glad? I mean, let's just be glad together that we're halfway there. Praise God. Amen. Look at verse number three with me one more time. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the priest, the Lord, the uh, ark of the covenant of the Lord, and the priest, the Levites bearing it, you shall remove from your place. Now notice that phrase with me, shall remove from your place. You see, they'd been setting up. They'd been used to. In fact, these folks had grown up on that side of the Jordan River. They had all they had ever known was wandering around the wilderness. They had never been this way. This was some new thing. Oh, help me, Jesus. Can I say it like this? Preacher, we ain't never done it like that before. Help me, Jesus. Amen. Preacher, we ain't never done it like that before. We've always done it like this right here. Well, this is all they'd ever done was wander around in the wilderness eating cornflakes. Somebody say amen. Amen. And there they are wandering around babies out there in the wilderness not knowing where they're going. Here's what, G- here's what Joshua said. said, get ready because we're fixing to get over this thing and you're going to remove from your place. We're leaving out. We're getting out of here. We're going to do some new thing and go a new way. Amen. And here's what some of them, some of them didn't want to go. 
In fact, if you Bible readers will recall, there was two and a half tribes that didn't want to go across the Jordan River and set up. In fact, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh told Moses, said, I tell you what, we'll just stay over here. I know we ain't been over there. I know we don't, I know how nice you talk about how it is wonderful over there, but we're, we'll just, we'll just settle for over here on this side of the Jordan. We'll set up camp over here. Well, honey, let me say something to you. That's the wrong attitude to have. And in order for us to get over the issues of life, we got to get under the right attitude. They were not willing to remove from their place. They wanted to stay where they's at. Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh said to Moses, We'd be a people of cattle. You see, they was, they was worried more about raising cattle than they was raising children. Right. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. They had never been over there, and they said this is a good land for cattle. And it was said in that day that that was a perfect place for cattle. If you, in fact, you'll read in Psalm 22, you talk about those, those strong bulls of Bashan. I know he's talking about demons, but they're in that area around what we call the Golan Heights. And that, in that, uh, Bashan mountain range was a perfect place to raise the best cattle in the world. So they was right. It was a great place to raise cattle. And so their attentions were noble in how they decided that they would stay here rather than go on with God. Their, their intentions were right. Their, their uh, motive was pure. But by the time Jesus docked his boat at the shores of the Gadarenes, come with me now, come with me. By the time they started out wanting to raise cattle, but by the time Jesus got there, and he come that man, you remember that man come running out there? And the Bible said his name was Legion, for he had all them demons, had at least 2,000 demons in him. Honey, there was that area that the Bible said they went into the, he cast them out and they went into them hogs. And they ran down the hill into the, into the Sea of Galilee. Somebody said that was suicide. I said it was a terrible waste. Hey man, you see them old boys was up there raising hogs. Now, I don't know how much you know about the Jewish dietary law, but they weren't supposed to have anything to do with them hogs. Amen. So they started out raising cattle and doing what was right. But by the time Jesus got there, they're bootlegging hogs. Say amen. Black market bacon, underground ham sandwiches running into Jerusalem. I'm gonna, hey, don't knock it till you try it, friend. I'm, I'm from Alabama. Our four basic food groups are, are pork, sausage, ham, and bacon. Amen. And I, oh boy, in that hog pen, the prodigal son, he had to be a Jew. I don't know how you'd starve to death in a hog pen. Amen. That old boy would have come back and said, 25, 26, I thought I had 24 hogs out there. I'd have been leaning up against the fence post going, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, I'd have been living high. <laughs> but they weren't supposed to have anything to do with it. They was bootlegging hogs. They was disobeying God's command. Amen. And Jesus said to him, and I'm going to tell you something, it wasn't the hogs that was so bad. Is that area, by the time Jesus got there, that area was so predominantly demonic that that's where all them demons congregated. And what I'm trying to say to you is this. That, in, that you either get in on God's best or you'll get the devil's worst. Right. Somebody say amen. 
Honey, having the wrong attitude will prevent you from getting over the issues of life. And you even cross over with God and get in on God's best or you'll get the devil's worst. Amen. Let me show you the last one here. And I'll be done. Notice with me verse 3 one more time. In order to get over the issues of life, there's some things we've got to get under. Notice the last phrase. He said, When you command the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place. Now watch this with me. Go after it. Go after it. Now, now I want you to understand that it, we've, re- we've already discussed it, the ark of the covenant. That is, that is a physical, visible representation of God Himself. If the Ark of the Covenant was in the camp, then God was in the camp. Somebody say amen. And it was always in the midst of the people. But here the Bible said that it's going out ahead of them. And they're supposed to follow Him. And here's what He's saying. is He said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant go, when you see God go that way, you go after Him. Honey, you pursue Him. You follow Him with everything you've got. Honey, and that's exactly how the Christian life is supposed to be lived. In order to get over the issues of life, we've got to get under the right affection. I'm going to tell you something. Whatever you love the most is what you'll pursue. That's right. Amen. I've been, I've been around, I've been down there in roll tide country. Amen. I know where I'm at. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I bleed orange, y'all. You ain't got to worry about me. I did say I was from Dayton, Tennessee. It's a city ordinance in Monkey Town that you've got to be a lifelong volunteer fan. Amen. Don't, we ain't got time to talk about all that. But I will say this to you. And here's what Roloff said. All the devil's got to do to get America to go into hell is throw a football in there. And they'll jump in there after it. Amen. Old brother Ron Garris said, he talked about, what missionary was it in Africa, preacher? that to cut his heart out. Dick Livingston, they, 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 he died and they said, you can take his body, but, but his heart belongs here. And his people took his heart out of his body and they buried it in Africa. He said, here's what, here's what old, old brother, well, I can't remember his name, Ron Garris, thank you, Lord. Old brother Garris said, they're going to have to take some of y'all's heart out and bear it out yonder on the 18th green down the golf course. Cram it down in that hole. Amen. He said, some of y'all, y'all carry it up in a tree stand. Cram it up in a, in a, in a knot hole of a tree stand. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Whatever it is we want is what we'll pursue. Whatever it is we care the most about is what we'll go after. I'm thrilled my heart when I heard of an all-night prayer meeting a while ago. You know, that's some old-timey business right there. Nobody's doing it anymore. Nobody's praying those night seasons of prayer. But them old time saints of God knew what it was like to go into the house of God at night and not come out to the break of day. Hold on to the horns of the altar and be like Jacob of old and say, I'll not let you go till you bless me. I'm not coming out till I hear from you. I'm going to tell you something, honey. If you want God, that's what you'll get. And let me just say, let me go ahead and say this to you. You, get, you have right now got as much of God as you want. The problem is, is we don't want Him enough. You will pursue that for which you care the most for. He said, go after Him. Go after Him. A.W. Tozer wrote that book, The Pursuit of God. And I'm going to tell you something. In a man's pursuit of God, and here's how the romance takes place in the Song of Solomon. You find him chasing her, 
and then she'll be chasing him. Sometimes he's looking for her. Sometimes she's looking for him. And that's how it goes. There's been times when God's come after me. Then there's been times when I've went after him. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. Which one's the right way to do it? It's like paper or plastic. It don't matter to me. Just take the groceries and take them to the car. Amen. Amen. You say, Bridget, which one is the best way to do it? Should I pray and then study my Bible? Or should I study my Bible and then pray? Yes. Should I spend more time reading my Bible or should I spend more time praying? Yes. Should I spend more? What, what should I do the most? Should I, somebody asked me, said one time, how do you study your Bible? What, what, what uh, books do you use when you study? I love these conversations with these old boys. I had a preacher boy call me the other day. He said, uh, Brother Bud, tell me. You, I'm messing with a, I love it. He's trying to. Good job, brother. I'm going to go that way in a minute, but for now I'm going to stand right here. Relax. Put your arm down. Amen. I love messing with that guy. I don't even know who it is. Anyhow, what was I saying? The preacher boy called me. He said, Brother Bud, he said, when you, do you, when you're, do you, when you use the Greek, do you use the transliteration or the literal translation? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Words have meanings. But here's what I told him. I said, well, God put it in English. I ain't putting it back. Amen. 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 It's a simple thing, ain't it? Simple thing. He said, well, tell me this. He said, what books do you use when you study? I said, I never study my Bible without a Strong's Concordance and a Smith Bible Dictionary. I take that Strong's Concordance and I turn it sideways on my desk. And then I put that Smith Bible Dictionary on top of that and it puts my Bible at a perfect 45 degree. And I study my Bible. Amen. You can't do it wrong. You can't do it wrong. If you're one of these ones that likes to do word studies like I do, I love word studies. Or, or you might be one that likes to read commentaries or, or get information from other preachers about what, what it said. It's okay. Whatever it is you do, just do it, honey. There ain't no wrong way to do it. Go after God. Pursue Him. Amen. Sign that sheet for that all-night prayer meeting. That's, that's where the, that's where the real deal. You don't know where it really, where it reality settles in. Fasting. Yeah. You ought to, and it wouldn't be hard not to eat between the hours of 11 o'clock at night and 5 a.m. We'll go to the huddle house yeah. after that. When the day, when the sun comes up, we're going to go to huddle house. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Fasting and praying. Yeah. And showing God. I mean, God knows your heart, but I'm going to tell you something. You go after Him. You know, they, folks do crazy things when they're in love. Amen? <laughs> I couldn't tell you stories about my wife, but I ain't going to. It's private, and I ain't going to tell all that. I just don't want you to know how crazy I am. I'll just tell you like this. I chased her till she caught me. Amen? And whatever it is you want the most is what you'll go after. You'll go after whatever it is you want. And the right affection. I'm going to tell you something. You can get over the issues of life. The issues of life will keep you from enjoying your prayer life. They'll keep you from enjoying your Bible. They'll keep you from enjoying church. They'll keep you from having the victorious Christian life that God intends for us to have. And you can get over it. You can get over it. You let God have it. Let me show you how they got over it. Have you got a minute? Now put the thing on me, brother cameraman. Won't you see this? This is how they did it. 
Here's what Joshua said, told them priests, said, y'all take that ark up and you go first. And I'm talking about, did I mention that the Jordan River at this time would have swollen all of his banks? This was a swollen river flowing. I'm talking about rapid water, raging water, rapid, death by drowning. Are you with me? That's not appealing to me anyway. I don't want to die drowning. I don't want, I don't want to die, I won't die at all, but I sure don't want to die drowning. Amen. And here they are facing death by drowning. And these old boys have got the Ark of the Covenant up here. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather been the guy in the back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'd probably be in the front. Yeah. <laughs> and here these two guys are, and we're standing there, and he's looking, and he says, Go. Amen. Yeah. I'm doing one of them to see if he steps. Are y'all with me? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta use your imagination. Yeah. It's all, it's all in the, in the, in the Hebrew, in that, in that Hebrew. You gotta yeah. look at all that. <laughs> and so here, here they do it. Finally, just by faith. Yeah. And you know that's how you're gonna get over your issues too. That's right. Just a step of faith. Yeah, that's right. Just by faith, and here's what they did: they just stepped out yeah. by faith. And did you, know, did you know that the Bible said that when they stepped their feet into the brink of the Jordan River, that the water heaped up? Here, it didn't happen. I don't believe it happened all at one time. Here's how I think it happened. Every time they put a foot down, that land would be dry and the water would run from them. And I'm talking about every time they put their foot down, the water would, it would run from them. And by this time, I don't know about you, but I'd be trying to get my foot in the water. And, and here they are, the thing that they were most afraid of, the thing that was keeping them out of the will of God, the thing that, that they were struggling with all that time was now afraid of them. And what I'm trying to tell you is that when you've gotten under all of the things that you need to get under and you're walking with God by faith, those issues are not even an issue anymore. More. Honey, they stood in the dry bank of that river and thank God the water piled up to the next town and they walked across on dry ground. Didn't even get their sandals muddy. I know because the Bible said when they had clean, gone over. You believe you're King James Bible or not? Amen. And they got into the land of promise. They got over the issues of life by getting under the things that they needed to get under. I'm going to tell you something. We live in a day when everybody we, everybody we meet has got issues. If, and I don't know a single one of you in here. But I know enough about folks to know that there's things represented in this room right here. Yeah. Amen. That, that accounts for sleepless nights. Sure. Amen. Long days. Tasteless food. Yeah. Things that have upset you and kept you from enjoying the things of God. And I come to tell somebody tonight, you can, you can, have, you can have a way with all that. Yeah. God can get you over it. 